Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Bruce, Judy, Cheese with you. Hope you guys are having a good day. So far, some of you are just waking up. Good morning to you. Some of you are on your way home. My goodness. Thank you for whatever the heck and it is you did. And just for the record, it is not currently raining, so there's enjoy a ray that, of sunshine. Enjoy that right now yeah. because that's uh, probably <laughs> going to change. So this oh, was, yeah, of course it is. This was kind of neat last night. Um, living on the 23rd floor is new for me. Only other time I've been on the 23rd floor of anything is like staying in a hotel. Yeah. So, this last night, yesterday afternoon, three o'clock ish or so, I think, kind of a mm-hmm. storm moved through. Yep, right around 10. coming south to north, and I kind of saw West from my east, window. But... I saw the 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 wall of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like come down between the buildings, and then the thunder echoes like a lot. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, that's yeah. kind of cool, kind of neat, a torpedo. Yeah. So yeah, we had. This is up on Fullerton and Clybourne. We had yeah. a, I had a view of the whole city from the balcony. I used to love sitting out there watching the. Thunder you could just watch it. Oh, and the lightning is crazy, God, right? When you it's see the it. Sears Tower, it's hit the building. Really cool. Sears Tower. To Let's continue to refer. Yeah, to yeah. Sears Tower. God, I love that. Or the Hancock. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that is. No, the Sears Tower. <laughs> um. So we had another story, and and we've had a lot of these instances. I, I would say maybe sh- we should be thankful. That at least for the last month, we haven't been talking about some officer-involved shooting with a video and question, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, because it seemed like we had a we had a bunch yeah. in a row, and it was almost difficult to to separate them. Something happened yesterday in the Anthony Alvarez shooting. Judy, could you remind me which one that is? Right. Well, so we had two deadly police shootings within two days. Uh, the first one was the Toledo one. That was the 13-year-old boy. And then the second, two days later, we had uh, Anthony Alvarez. Yeah. So a uh, police officer shot and killed him during a foot chase in Portage Park. Um, they had confronted him at a gas station. And it's unclear still. We really don't have a lot of details why they even chased him. Right. He was but, walking out of a gas station. Right. Police pulled up. And he started to run, and uh, they chased him. He had a gun in his hand. He was shot in the back several times. He did drop the gun, but he did have a gun, um, and he died on someone's front lawn there. The video, and we have the body cam video that that that, that shows us, and I want to say there's a surveillance video there's as like well. like a ring camera that shows him running by. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, From different In views. the video, it appears he has a gun in his hand. While he is running in the video, mm-hmm. a gun was found next to him immediately after he was shot. Again, I'm trying to if you were a, uh, a defense attorney, you know, you would you would, these are the facts. I can't exactly place it in his hand, but you can infer what you want. The. It is in the video. It doesn't appear he points the gun at the cop. I'm going to say that. But I don't think that's the issue. If you're running from the police with a gun, how long does it take you to level it and point it at them, especially when they are chasing you, yelling, drop the gun? But the thing that happened yesterday, and I admit that there, there's, like you said, there must be more to this that we don't know yet. Right. Because the officer has been disciplined. He has been um, relieved of his duties. So COPA mm-hmm. 
recommended that like back in April. Um, they, right after it right happened. Right after it happened, and that's the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. They recommended that the department strip him of his uh, duties, and uh, the mayor balked at that idea as well, and the superintendent. But superintendent commented um, on Monday that after that they were asked that, they asked for more information, and then after they got that information, they did strip him of his police powers. I think they're doing... So the- again, there's something we don't know. There's much, many things in this story we don't know. And I will also mention that this officer, Evan Solano, mm-hmm. he's been on the force since 2015. He's been the subject of several investigations, including civil rights violations, improper stops and searches, neglect of duty, and other violations of departmental procedures. And we do know that police do get a lot of complaints against them. I don't these, know if that in and of itself is right. an issue. Although right. these complaints mm, might be a little bit more severe and not always include maybe complaints from people just who are pissed off that they got pulled over. So he does have complaints. And he was also the subject of an additional internal investigation. Mm-hmm. So that's much bigger. He pulled out a gun, apparently, during um, a road rage incident. He when he was in his private vehicle. Right. And as we know, police carry their guns with them all the time. They're supposed to. Yeah. So he, he got into an altercation. In a video, in a, he is in uniform. He is in uniform, in uniform but he's driving his, exiting his a, vehicle. Yeah, a Ford Mustang, and, you know, he pulls out a gun. This was in Logan range. Square. Right. Jeez. So I think you have to take all this into account. Okay. Mm. So th- p- this was one of the incidents, this and the Toledo maybe the most high profile, that led to this conversation, discussion, modification, rule change when it comes to foot foot pursuit policies. I get back to, and I think one of the things that that I, I struggle with is these officer-involved incidents, and I'll use that kind of in a broad term, they're not all or nothing. They're not all black or all white. They're they're not a 10 or a 0. There are degrees. There are shades, if you will. And looking at the Alvarez one, similar to the Toledo, Adam Toledo shooting, which we watched and, and is not easy to watch. Yeah. Not easy at all when you watch the uncut full video. Well, we know they were responding to shots fired in Toledo. We in don't Toledo. know what they were responding to, if anything. And maybe they were responding to, hey, a guy just left my store at the gas station and he has a gun. I don't know because he did run. He, he saw the place and he saw with and a gun he in his hand. Yeah. I, I, my question, my point is, what are we, what do you expect police to do? Because wouldn't the definition, you have a person with a gun visible to you. You can see it. And again, in the one video, he's holding in his hand. He's not raising it and pointing it at people. He's running it with the, maybe I would say the gun pointed at the ground. But you have a guy with a gun running through the neighborhood. At what point do you want police to intervene? Yeah, there's not enough. Let's let's not chase him. He only has a gun and is running through the neighborhood. Well, how do you know? Uh, But we don't. We don't know that. We don't know that they saw the gun running through the neighborhood, and that's the whole point. You started with the police chase policy. The whole point is no, but they were yelling at him, "Drop the gun!" After he stopped at that, and then he he could have pulled the gun out at that point because maybe he had it on him. Nobody wants to be found with a gun, right? We just don't know. It's that's we only see that we don't I, you can't tell when he's running if he's holding a gun. It's more obvious when he's stopped. 
And did he just take the gun out? I, I don't know. Um, I'm just saying, though, I don't believe there w- I don't believe there was a visible gun when they pulled into that gas station. So I don't why, think they started chasing him because did, of the gun. Right. I'll grant so you there that. you go. I'll grant that, you that. that could be it. It could come all down. Even but, though but in the, the end but he do you had get a the gun. The end justifies the means in certain things. Do you see what I'm saying? At the end, if you're confronted by a police officer and you're armed, what do we expect them to do? And 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 maybe maybe the the officer being stripped officer solano being stripped of his police powers temporarily while the investigation going on is the right thing to do i don't know maybe it's not so much about unfortunately the death as it is about the procedure and what has happened in the past with him other videos and Mm -hmm. other investigations possibly it's just he's been stripped of his powers you're right while the investigation is underway just because so many department rules were broken and maybe what he did at the end was within the rules mm-hmm. because he did have a gun. He he wouldn't drop the gun. He was running. But maybe what happened preceding that is what, why they stripped him of his powers. You know, we've, we, we, we've had conversations about um, the openings on the Chicago Police Department. Unfilled, I guess you could say. Funded. Yeah. Funded positions where they're... They're down, I, I want to say the last number I heard, 300 some odd police officers. We've heard about the canceling of vacations and leaves and, and stretching them thinner and yeah, thinner. No days off. No days, days off. Thank you very yeah. much. Right. With the canceling your days mm-hmm. off. And then this. And, and, and I'm just going to say some, I, I am, I am willing to look at each one of these as, as a, as a individual thing. Was the officer in the right? Was the officer in the wrong? I've seen some where I think, I, I don't know what else you wanted the officer to do. Other ones I go, wow, that is not what we want, expect cops to do. So I, I'd like to think I can look at it objectively. I still don't see in this one what the officer did wrong when well, it came we, to the shooting. But we, there's so much we don't know. I mean, this is the case where we have to wait for the, in, you should always wait for the investigation to be complete, right? The facts are the facts. We don't know so much about what happened here. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, did you know that we podcast? I know. I'm just as surprised as you are. Bruce, <laughs> Judy, and Cheese. We have, uh, we, every day, uh, allegedly, the, the show, uh, shows up on, on podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, yeah. by the way. We're on the iTunes and what's the, uh, the uh, Google Play Store? Is that, what, no. What's the other one? Yeah, I believe so. Cause I'm not an Apple person. I mean, I'm an Apple person. I'm not the other one. Yeah, so. I'm iTunes too. Yeah. Miranda? Thumbs up. Miranda's the, uh, podcast person. Google Play, Apple, all that jazz. All that jazz. The, all that jazz dot com, I think you can get it. Dot org. <laughs> oh, is it dot org? Dot net. <laughs> you can also check out the WLSAM.com page, too. Holler to oh, Pim. Susie okay. Info over there. So you check can go there, out. and we have links to all that so you can uh, catch up. You can listen at your leisure. So here's the thing. So we can do this right now. <clears throat> it is uh, 5.51 a.m. on Tuesday. Somebody's listening to this on Thursday night. Shout out to you guys. And they're going to go, how the hell did he know? Mm-hmm. It's Thursday night. I'm listening to the. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. Just blew somebody's mind. Just blew their mind. Um, <laughs> are we possibly learning more about what happened? What what the root cause, I should say, of this condo collapse? While, I mean, Judy, I think they're still referring to it as a rescue effort, but hope is fading for the missing. Is that a decent way to put it? 
Well, I mean, when you hear um, the family members talk, it's, you know what? It just depends. Some of them are like, I just want something so we can have closure can and bury our, our loved ones. Others are, you know, we heard a story about a, a family getting calls from the grandparents. Weird. From, they their, have from gotten, their phone, right? From their phone, they've gotten like 16 or 20 calls since the collapse. And every time they answer, it's just static. Oh, God. I, I, but what does me, that mean, right? What does it mean? Is, are they trapped in there heard, somewhere and the phone doesn't work? I only have can heard dial out? rescuers say they have put cameras down yeah, into yeah, yeah. the rubble and they have seen big cavities. Okay. There could people be people could, They could be living. Yeah, they could wow. be breathing. And if they have food and water, it's possible. 152 people still missing in that building. Yeah, 11 people now dead. Uh, 11 have been recovered, if you will. Nobody has been recovered alive since the hours immediately yeah, after it, right. uh, when, when they were pulling people out. But an interesting story coming out of one person who, who is missing. Um, Cassandra Bilodeau Stratton was on the fourth floor of the condo that collapsed on the balcony talking to her husband moments before the building went down. He says, he was. In, I want to say he was in Denver at the time. Yeah. So they're talking. It's not as late in Denver, right? So they're talking, and she told him over the phone that the pool, right? She's looking down onto the, she's on the fourth floor. Mm-hmm. That a sinkhole was developing, and the pool appeared to be collapsing or caving in. The pool deck. Pool just deck, to be clear, excuse me. Because I was looking it up because I was thinking that was so odd because I kept seeing the pool and it still looked full of water. The pool deck. She said she saw the sinkhole developing. Then the building began to shake and her husband, how horrific is this? Ugh. He says all he heard was screaming and then the line goes dead. Yeah, these the stories are so just- is. We had mentioned that from the get-go. Whenever I think of Florida, for some reason, sinkholes, I think of them happening there more than in other places. And along a beach, I mean, this is, if, you, if you've ever been there before, this is like a, God, I'm going to get the, is it a peninsula? What do you call it? There's yes, water on both it's a, sides. It's not an island, it's a peninsula. The ocean is yep. on one side. Juts out and a then the, well, the I, I call it the intercoastal, or the bay is on the other side of it. So there's water on both yeah. sides of this. There are people who say you should never build on that. Uh, uh, Why are you putting buildings? I mean, massive weight buildings. Where it doesn't take much shifting to maybe cause the the structure itself to become unstable. But if, and and this woman's last words, and I I hate saying that. I I understand what it means. If her last words are, there's a sinkhole by the pool. If she is seeing the deck cave in and and the ripple effect that could have of any of the supporting structures of the building you know and that seems to be the 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 new theory we were saying early on it seemed like each floor felt it started Mm -hmm. from the top and if that floor would fall on the next one that no they're saying it started from the bottom i was gonna say when i see the video the the bottom floor collapsed and everything collapsed into it with it yeah yeah, it didn't pancake from the standpoint of the top went down, do, 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 do. It started at the bottom, and then everything came, came down, down onto now, it. Now, there was another um, family member who said that his mom had called him the day before. Day before. Because she was woken up by a noise so loud, the, and she described it as the building creaking. 
She said she couldn't get back to sleep, so she called her son. They chatted a while, but he remembers that. He said because that was so odd that she, you know, and buildings creaky, but this one was so loud that she worried her a little bit and she just couldn't get back to sleep. And that was the day before. Mm. So these these are all going to be important, obviously, in the investigation. If the sinkhole theory plays out, if there is some truth to it, and and as of right now, I, I realize it's... Way it's early. just a, it's a, it's a, it's a small piece of evidence. I will I will acknowledge that. I'm not blaming a sinkhole yet. But if sinkholes are possible, prevalent, and exist on that strip of Miami Beach, every single building yeah, on that right. entire and, I'm and trying way, to think what's not worse. Eight buildings. There's eight hundred yeah. of them. Yeah, I'm trying to think what's worse: a sinkhole. Or that the building wasn't taken care of because either option's terrible. Well, not only for that building, is, but for all the buildings. If the building wasn't taken care of, you could say we need to do inspections more uh, often. We need to, uh, you, you know, reinforce buildings. We need to look at the building code. How do you predict a sinkhole? I don't think they predict those things. It's you know, it's like not an like, earthquake. You can't predict. It, it. Just, yeah, it just the happens. ground gets saturated. There's a hole opens up. I don't know. There's something involving the Earth's core. How Hell, common I don't know. are and, sinkholes? I, I think there's not that common, right? I, I then seem some to people think are they like, happen in Florida all yeah, the time. Yeah, that's what some other why. people are saying, and I'm like, well, I know we don't. But some of them are small. We think of sinkholes, and oh my God, it swallowed well, a bunch of cars. Yeah. Yeah. that's what it usually does. It, it, they're usually big. But if you just had a small one that doesn't swallow a car, but it's near. A support a structure, structure of right. a building that a building that's already maybe well, has some that, issues. Thank you very that much. Was supposed to be going, you know, undergoing some major repairs. Then what? It's that's like the perfect storm, right? Mm. It. But I got to tell you, that real estate, while being some of the priciest real estate, probably you know, in the country and certainly in Miami, or along along the beach there, along Collins Ave, A one A. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to live in one of those buildings right now. Well, Not this, right now, yeah. yeah. This, I don't think I can. If a sinkhole is at the root of this, something you can't control, something no building code, something no, my building was built in the last five years, ten years, you know. It matter, yeah. It's like, you know, Chase and this I lived in California. This is a new building. This, Relatively, they, des- yeah. they describe this as a new building. Yeah, yeah, when you look 80s, at, like, the yeah. Fountain Blue and stuff, it was built in the 1800s, as far as I can tell. Um, but Chase and I lived in California. And they earthquake-proof buildings. You know, we you've yeah. had that before, right? I worked in a building that was, quote, earthquake-proof. And I always thought, isn't that kind of like calling the Titanic iceberg-proof? I'm always concerned yeah. that you guys are, are advertising this. But but my office building in L.A., you could go down into, like, the sub-basement, whatever, and the building was on rollers. Did you ever see that? Oh, I never saw it, no, but... We so could it see of, it. So it could so, sway? So imagine... A steamroller, those huge, like a huge, you know, steamroller, the big round yeah. thing, bigger than that, solid, in the basement, in a big square, concrete square, and then the building sits on top of those, so it can move back and forth. Wow. It gives, and they give a little gap on the ends. I'm pretty sure our buildings here do that too. Oh God They're, in heaven! Just I don't for wanna... that reason, just I, a little bit of sway. I I got in there and said I need to get out of here. Still yeah. time for my criminal of the day, though. <laughs> all right, shout out to two Australian men who managed to combine the seemingly unrelated things of the pando, a mad or amorous deer, and nudity. <laughs> Allegedly, the men violated Australia's quarantine lockdown rules and left the city of Sydney for the countryside. Strike one. Mm. Then they decided to get in touch with nature by ditching all their clothes while sunbathing in a park. Let's call that strike one and a half. <laughs> all right. Anyway, 
This is when a deer happened upon the nude dudes and either became angry at the invasion of its turf or thought, hey, those guys look kind of hot, and (laughs) chased them into the forest. In an effort to escape Bambi, they became hopelessly lost and had to call for help. Let's go strikes two, three, and four. All right. New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller described the pair as, quote, idiots, unquote, (laughs) for diverting resources during a pandemic. The men were fined $1,000 for breaking quarantine, although that punishment pales in comparison to the humiliation of being known as the naked guys who got chased into the woods by a deer from this point forward. (laughs) So for getting lost in a forest while naked and attracting the attention of robo-deer, yeah. you, mates, are the Bruce St. James Show criminals of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. Good morning to you. Happy Tuesday. We jump into the 6 o'clock hour. Here are the big stories that people are paying attention to. Cheese will start us off. Yeah, if you got any older relatives that live on the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest, yeah. might want to give them a call and check on them because most people there don't have air conditioning and there's been record heat Oof. recorded in the pacific northwest so check on your older relatives if you got some living out there judy pie i grew up without air conditioning yeah but this Fuck is like that. 116 i know it's deadly is your driver's license expired well you have an extra five months now to renew it the illinois right. secretary of state's office extending it to next year mm, nice A flash flood watch is in effect until about 7 p.m. tonight. So while it might be sunny, a little bit partly cloudy where you are, expect more rain today. And the ground is pretty saturated, ripe for potential flooding. Keep your eyes open for that. So I got to take you to Durham, North Carolina. All right. Uh, There is a restaurant there. Pizzeria Toro. Sounds like a lovely place. Although I don't think I'm going to be going there anytime soon. Has nothing to do with the pizza. Pizzeria Toro has added something to every single bill called fair wage service fee, Judy. Yeah. That the customer has to pay for. So... The owner says that, you know, he just, uh, he apparently can't pay his employees anymore. They deserve more money. They work hard. Um, Do you know anybody that thinks they deserve less? Yeah. By the way, yeah, have right, you ever met right? anybody goes, way overpaid? Way too much. They Can don't, I give you some back? Well, and this is the interesting part. They don't get tips. So, you know, they don't share them with tips and the other people who get tipped. Well, here's an idea. Have the people who get tipped share their tips with them. That's the way to do that. A lot of places, and I've never worked in the food service industry. I know, I just, I missed out. Yeah. Isn't pooling tips like a thing at a lot of places yes. where everybody's supposed to put not their tips in? Not yeah. everywhere, yeah. And, I mean, you're and, supposed to tip out your bus or boy you tip out and the your back bartender. of the house type thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like especially at bars, when you give anyone a tip at a bar, they all it all goes into a big, yeah. you know, jar. And they share because not yep. everybody is facing the customer, but everybody's Working helping it, the customer. Yeah. No, but Mr. Pizzeria Toro here <laughs> says that. Um, is that his legal name, he, Mr. Pizzeria Toro? Yeah, that's and I say that with a snide, Mr. Toro. snideness. He says he considered raising prices by 20%. Okay. But he wanted to be more transparent. So no. here's the transparency. Listen, my workers deserve more money. I don't want to pay them. I don't want to pay them. You're going to pay them. Right. And I'm going to keep whatever profits I make, I'm going to keep because I'm not going to, you know, that's that's how business works, right? This goes to your argument, Bruce, that you make. That we argue about the time you say, and when I say people deserve a fair wage, and you say, no, it's 
it's business, right? It's yeah. It's, it's the market. It's what the, the market fair market value, yeah. whatever. If you're so, willing to work for it, that's I think the, what, that's Miss, what yeah, Mr. Pizzeria Toro needs to just close his doors because he doesn't make any money. Yeah, well, or, that's what he's saying. Yeah, and so it, it is ridiculous beyond words. Yeah, because he's basically flying in the face of basic base principles. If it costs you more to do business. Then you're right. You raise the price of the pizza or the price of the car or the price of whatever the hell it is that you're making, the the hotel room, whatever it is. But the idea that you're going to uh, at the end. So I order a twelve dollar pizza and two sodas or whatnot. And when my bill comes, you're going to charge me 20 percent. So here's me being the jerk that I am. I wouldn't tip. That's what I said, too. Yeah, I'd go now. You you already get, you got it right there. Yeah, your twenty percent. There's your twenty percent. Right yeah, I go now. Yeah. If you want to charge more for the pizza, okay. I mean, but why? I'm not gonna ask. So you can see that little line item. Like, here's what you bought. Here's the tax. Here's the little line to put the tip. And here's the extra twenty percent. I think of it like the places that that if you have a large group of people, sometimes yeah. they like add fifteen percent. Yeah, yeah. Eight, eight or they already added twenty percent. Yeah, even before it was like twenty percent was the big thing. It was. When it was 15%. But I don't tip on top of that. No. See, when I was a waiter, I would never put that in. If I had a party of like eight, mm-hmm. I wouldn't add that in because no. I knew I was such you a do good better. waiter. You I would do- get more than that. So I've, I I've, would always give more. I've told waiters when they've done that before. I've said that to them. Yeah. Because a lot of times it wasn't 20, it was 15. Yeah. And I said, you think I tip more than 15%? Want to take a chance? <laughs> I go, if you want to add 15% in, that's the price. Okay. If it shows up on the bill, you've now told me what you're worth. You want to take a chance? I do that for uh, valet guys, too. They make you pay in advance. Uh, that's $8 ah. in advance. I go, then that's the 8 bucks you get. All righty. If you think I'm only going to pay in advance, <laughs> great. You just told me what See, the price but is. but there again, you're hurting the person. They're, they don't make the rules, right? That's why I would always, if it was 15%, I would tip over. I always tip 20 I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tip I, at least I don't 20 Because I, well, I can't do math. First off, <laughs> I have no idea how to come up with 15%, but I can take, I round up, take the first number and double it. That's all I can do. The best thing ever is when it's on the check. 10%, 12, 15%, Tax 20%. times two? Yeah, yeah, always. I'm completely lost. Bruce's completely lost. eyes are crossed right no now, idea. and he's like falling over. I have over. to remember the tax rate in the state of bleep in <laughs> Illinois. Okay, yeah. That's why that. when they put it on the check, it's the best. It comes our, yeah, automatically. Yeah, it shows you. Well, it like, shows you. Know, those, uh, what do you call it? When you do the, not cube or whatever, the little swipe thing, like when it's Apple thing, it says 15, 20, yeah. 25%, you know, gives you the options, if you will. But this guy, but, okay, again. this, so this pizzeria Toro. Mr. Toro. I go in and I pick up a pizza. Okay, you're just going to order one to go. Are you kidding me? That isn't that their job to make the pizza? That's what you. That's what they get paid for. Why am I paying tipping them? That's another argument. It's, they're not okay. So play handing along with me, me the pizza. What during the pando? When you were doing carryout, did you tip? Yep. Yes. When you did carryout, I did only as well. Only because it was the pandemic. Only though. because of the pandemic. I would not do it now. So you you've drawn a Absolutely. line. Absolutely no. Yeah. Really? I would oh not. really? Like June first, no, you moved on. No, I moved okay. on. Right? Because right. I did it just because everyone, you know, it, we were all pitching in. We're all in it together. There, yeah. I, really? Hmm. Why would you tip so to go pick up food? So the hostess took your order, ran back there, got it, put it all in the bag, brought it What's back that, up. Is that worth twenty percent though? Yeah. Come on. No, Maybe I, a buck or two. I tip. 
What's that worth? I see the tipping rules. I might rules say keep the change, but no, I'm not tipping twenty percent on that. Uh, and I know what you mean, but many times it's already bagged up. Infant producer she turns around, she goes and picks it up, and she hands it to me. Infant Come producer on. Miranda. Whoa, give to go specialists more than what you're giving them. At least three to five bucks, at least, because they do go back there. They take wait your a minute. Order. Did you just refer to it as a to go specialist? Yeah. I was a to go specialist before. Okay, Shut wait. Let me just you ask you: what else do you say, do? Yeah. Besi- what else <laughs> do you do besides <laughs> that? That's a custodial we have engineer. To take everybody's orders that we're handling all of the to go. So during that dinner rush, it's just us handling all of those. But guests. You get paid for that, right? I mean, you don't just. I mean, yeah, tips. but we're not getting paid at the rate as a server. You're not. You're not. You're getting less than a server. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Wait a second. You cannot be paid less than a server. Well, I only made like ten bucks. Okay, servers. Hour. Servers make like three dollars an hour. They make they like twenty dollars an hour with their tips. Oh, with that's their why tips. Yeah, but that's so why they get tips. Yeah. But I don't know. Okay, so hmm. I have another question. When they, if they're going to add this in, and like, like Cheese and I are saying, you're going to add twenty percent in. There's your tip. Yep. Does it disincentivize people to work harder, servers? Mm. I would be mad if I was a if server you're not there. Per- yeah. Working for tips, if you like, you said Cheese, I'll hustle for the tip. I'll get more money. I know I'm worth it. I know I can keep that water filled. That's the point or of tipping. To I mean, that is the whole point of tipping service. It, I was always told that's what it stands yes. for. Yes. To ensure prompt service. Otherwise, it's just their job. They get paid that. for their job. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. You worked for tips and didn't know it. I didn't know what it, it meant. It may not stand for that, but that's what I believe, <laughs> and therefore it's true. Okay? We talk about supporting the military. Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, honoring and, and, and being thankful for those who volunteer. Let's point out we still have an all-volunteer military. Volunteer uh, to be sent around the world. We know over the last 20 years, a lot of them ending up in Afghanistan, Iraq, and and related issues yeah. around there to be shot at, IEDs blown up, whatever, multiple deployments going back over and over again, being away from their families, and then coming home. And coming home, and I'm going to use the term struggling to adjust. Adapt, adjust, get back into the normal swing of things. Joining us right now is uh, Lieutenant Jason J. Redman, retired Navy SEAL. First off, sir, thank you so much for joining us. Bruce, honored to be on. Thank you. Uh, where'd you do your uh, your SEAL training at? Where'd you do Bud's class? Uh, out in California. It's the only place they're having San Diego. It now. There a period. Yep, that's Cor- right. Coronado. Yeah. I live there, and I got to work with the the, the Navy and the the SEALs out there at nice. Coronado Island. So I, I I'm familiar with uh, your old stomping grounds, and I'm really glad I didn't have to do those swims. By the way, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, you uh, have been deployed. You served your country. You were over there. Tell me a little bit about some of the the challenges that our veterans, our returning vets, are facing. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing is you go from military service and we have more and more of our veterans who are doing careers. Um, just like you said in the intro, we are an all volunteer force. The days of, uh, we do have a draft, but obviously we haven't had to enact it since Vietnam. So you join the military with a sense of purpose, with a mission, a uh, very clear cut mission. And believe it or not, when you go into combat, it's a very simple life. Uh, I've talked to a lot of combat veterans and I've felt the same. Life's simple overseas. You work, you eat, and you have a very specific task that you do, which is going after uh, bad people or supporting activities that help the warfighters go after bad people. 
And then suddenly you come home and you're back in uh, this world we live in, this very frenetic, crazy world inundated with information, all kind, you're hit with all kinds of information and stress and everything else. And I think sometimes a lot of veterans just get lost in that. And now add on top the fact that uh, our country's in a weird state. There are a yeah. lot of people that are attacking the very fabric and foundations of America. Uh, we're very divided. You know, it's rich against poor. It's black against white. It's uh, religious against, uh, you know, non-believers. I mean, you name it, you find a class and it's divided. So I think a lot of veterans are struggling, which has led to this uh, exponential epidemic of veteran suicide. When you say epidemic, the numbers are are pretty darn shocking, especially when you compare it to, we think about how, I'm going to use the term, how dangerous it is to be in for you, Fallujah, how dangerous it is to be in uh, uh, outside of Kabul, if you will, yeah. you know, uh, but the numbers say, you know, for for men and women who serve in the military, it's also more almost more dangerous to be back home. Well, it's not even almost it is. <laughs> it is exponentially more dangerous. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of people have heard this term 22 a day. Yes, sir. Uh, but I don't think people really grasp the gravity of that that impact. So in, in this war, which uh, and when I say this war, the global war on terror, which had several different fronts, we obviously had uh, Afghanistan, we had Iraq, and then we started going after um, Al-Shabaab, the Al-Qaeda organization in, in Africa. And, uh, and in this war, we have lost a little over 7,000 veterans have been killed, which uh, is a lot, but compared to other wars, isn't that many. Mm-hmm. When you take that number, 22 a day, and you multiply it out over 365 days, it's over 8,000 veterans. So, And this has been a pretty steady number for the last at least eight or nine years. And, and that is over 8,000 veterans a year were losing to suicide. They're taking their own lives. They're gone and served their country. And they come home and say, you know what? It's just not worth me living. That is a wow. tragedy. And you're, you're talking, uh, Lieutenant, about veterans who served and now are out of the military or are, are suicides also high in, you know, within the military ranks, people who, as you said, make it a career? Judy, you're right. Suicide is high within the military, too. We're seeing it both uh, higher numbers, obviously, within our veterans, but we are seeing a rise in suicide within our active duty military members. And I know we're speaking of military, but I get out and also speak to our law enforcement and fire and law enforcement and fire Mm -hmm. are at record breaking levels. They are taking their lives at record breaking levels. So what do we what can we do? Where where, where do we turn? How, How can we help? Well, the biggest thing is, you know, I have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of American citizens say, well, hey, that's the job of the VA. Mm. Um, you know, and, and the VA was never intended to do what it's trying to do. The VA was stood up after World War II to try and take care of our veterans that were coming home from the war. And it has grown into this, uh, this very large, very bureaucratic organization. And there are a lot of great people working at the VA trying to help our veterans, but it is, it's just stretch to men to take care of all these veterans. So for the average American citizen, I believe it's our duty, as I say are, because I am now an American citizen. I'm, you know, I'm out and um, trying to make a difference. And, and I believe it's our duty to take care of our, our, our veterans. You know, if you did not go serve, then you basically said, hey, I'm going to turn over or I'm going to, 
give the defense of our nation to these young men and women who are willing to raise their hand and go out there and fight to preserve our freedom. And, and when they come home and they're struggling to figure out how to assimilate back into American society, I think it's on all of us. So how do you do that? How do you do that? There, there's all kinds of great organizations that are doing good things to support our veterans. Um, I work, I'm an ambassador for the Gary Sinise Foundation. Gary Sinise is doing great things for our veterans. I uh, work with a group called Get Headstrong. GetHeadstrong.org was started by a ranger, and they have, uh, have partnered with mental health professionals from all across the country. Mm-hmm. And when a 9-11 combat veteran goes to their website and says, hey, I'm really struggling, they immediately, immediately intake them. They do what's called a ghost record. It doesn't go in their permanent record because this is a big fear of a lot of our veterans. What sure. If I lose my job, what if I lose this? So they put it in a ghost record, and within, give or take, 48 to 72 hours, they are seen by a licensed mental health professional. The intake is by combat veterans. So getheadstrong.org. And the other thing we need to do, I'm working with the group Concussion Legacy Foundation. Some people may uh, recognize the name of that group because they're the same group that's working with the NFL Mm. and a lot of organizations on concussion and CTE issues. Right. Uh, CTE is a traumatic brain injury. Well, we are seeing more and more of our combat veterans who, when they're taking their lives, if they're autopsied, uh, they're showing significant CTE, which, um, you know, there is a direct correlation with suicide and CTE. Yes, so we, we've got we've to fund these programs. Uh, Concussion Legacy Program has a, or Concussion Legacy Foundation has a program called Project Enlist, and we are focused on uh, veterans, specifically researching them, I'm trying to encourage veterans to uh, pledge their brains. I donated mine. Wow! Uh, don't worry, they don't they don't collect early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Still using sir, mine. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, yeah. But at the end of your life, it's a great way to be able to give back to fellow veterans. Yeah. Jay, yeah. Th- thank you so very much for your time. Thank you for the work you're doing for uh, uh, for the vets out there, for the people that need help, and also welcome home. And thank you so much for your service. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks for Outstanding. That. He's Lieutenant Jason J. Redmond, retired Navy SEAL. Again, the headline coming out of that. Since 9-11, military suicides are four times higher than death in actual war. Yeah, 8,000 a year. Man, that's unbelievable. We'll, we'll, I'm going to tweet out some of those organizations if you know somebody who also needs some help. Maybe you are. This weekend, 4th of July weekend, maybe you are planning that summer vacay and you're going to get on an airplane. We've talked a lot about how, I would say, people. I've heard people describe it as, you know, airline travel has changed. No, it hasn't. It just went back to sucking as much as it did before. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm just saying. I I, I think it might suck a little bit more. I flew a lot last year, and I thought airline travel was a hell of a lot better because most of you weren't on airplanes. Exactly, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Ghost town. I enjoyed having a row to myself, you know. Uh, there, There were a lot fewer people. Those days are gone, and we're back to hashtag old normal. We're pay- planes are packed. There's going to be the largest person you've ever met in your life is going to sit in the middle seat next to you. It's just going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. And um, why don't they make people who take up two seats to pay for two seats? They should. It's, and, yeah, and it's not fair. I hate to be the one that. But I, uh, can I give credit though? Uh, let's see. I was on a flight two weeks ago mm-hmm. to Washington D.C., and there was a relatively large person. And she had two seats. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So she you know, paid for she two. had purchased two seats. Yeah, yeah. put up the the little thingy maboober and had the seatbelt extender. Yeah. And, I'm and like, only because I, appre- I appreciate yes that you are at least self aware enough that it's not my problem that you don't fit in the seat. Plus, she probably wanted to be comfortable. As yeah. well. You know what I mean, like because what they'll do is they'll pick up the armrest. Yes. Yeah. Which no. Now we're flesh now, to flesh. Exactly. Oh, I mean, yeah. my seatbelt yeah. size. Sweating. It's dangerous. Oh. That's it's what dangerous. I would say. This is very dangerous. It's dangerous to not have a, a, a an armrest between be, us. It's dangerous <laughs> for me to be this uncomfortable. I need it. So, That's all I'm saying. Um, so add that to the list. But um, <laughs> we're having problems at the airport. I've seen this at O'Hare. So for the most part, if you go to the airport, a lot of people get like to get there early. I'm a person that doesn't run through airports, ever. No OJ. Full stop. Yeah. There's always no. another plane. I don't run through airports. I literally got <laughs> off a plane in Dallas, and the lady said, "You're going to have to run to make your uh, connection." And I, I went, "You don't know me very well, do you?" <laughs> nah, I'm okay. I'll be fine. Uh, I'll get but, an Uber. Yeah, I got, I'm not <laughs> running across your bleeping airport, lady. Get over it. But a heck of a lot of the stores, like can we talk about stores reopening in the airport. Things are still closed. Yeah, There's an like entire food town. court in the American Airlines thing. Yeah, that's closed. Mm-hmm. The whole food court's closed. Yeah. It, the, nothing is reopened in there, and they're saying at airports all across the country they're having trouble finding employees for the restaurants and the stores, as well as TSA. So expect the TSA lines to be longer. Because the thousands standing around have suddenly been reduced a little bit. There's still, TSA is still thousands standing around. Don't get me wrong. But there's just a few thousand less of them standing around. Which means the lines are going to be bigger. Well, yeah. No one's working because they're all taking flights and going on vacation. Is that why? <laughs> Apparently. I mean, those those lines are getting longer, right? And they still have no workers. And why should the airports be different than the rest of America? There are no workers. Here's how crazy it's gotten. So Dallas is a huge, DFW is a huge airport, right? Big, uh, it's an American hub, mm-hmm. you know, also. Because it's so hard to find workers at the airport, the, the businesses inside the airport have been stealing each other's workers. Like, well, if you already were coming to the airport, just come work for us. We'll give you $2 more. Well, whatever. Yeah, What's it going to yeah, take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. $2, how about a $1,000 bonus? Yeah. So they're, they were, uh, Purge, they were they were all, all cherry picking from each other to the point that the you know there's like an airport authority had to go okay you guys need to stop screwing each other yeah but it's so hard to find new employees coming in the TSA is offering a thousand dollar hiring bonus as they're trying to get six thousand new screeners by the end of September that's got to pay pretty well I would that's imagine that's what I would think right? but I don't think it's a high no? thing you say that I don't think so. I mean, aren't they highly skilled Hold and trained individuals? Here we go. I want to assure you they are not. Shoes off! Yeah. Yeah, that takes a lot of training. They have a lot of power. Yeah. Um, you know. I'm just pointing out that... that the average is $26 an hour. Okay. And a $1,000 signing bonus. And $1,000 signing bonus, yep. And they've already hired 4000 so yeah. um, $25.70 an hour. I would like to point out that my idiot brother uh, does work for the TSA. (laughs) He makes $225 an hour. Probably, because he's an attorney. He's a lawyer. Ooh, yeah. He works at the headquarters, HQ, 
if you, I should, I say that he hasn't been into the office in a year and a half. Ah. But, uh, uh, yeah, he is an attorney for the TSA. As if, I'm embarrassed to say that out loud. Wait, As if it could get worse. So is that when people sue the TSA or like what? That would be exciting. No. He does contracts and contract law goes over like contracts that the TSA enters into. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. He doesn't even do the thousand page suing people and and things. No, he's never seen the inside of a courtroom in his (laughs) life, except for maybe a traffic ticket. You kidding me? Well, there are lawyers who don't go to courtrooms. He's one of them. Like your brother. I'm sure he does a very important job. What's your brother's name? Scott. And I guarantee you what he does is not important because I've seen what he calls work. Okay. Hard work's never killed anybody, but why take the chance? Yeah. Especially when you work for the government. You don't see a TV show like Dallas Law, Contract yeah. Attorneys. Yeah, TSA, you Contract know. Attorneys. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Monday, July 26th. Well, Senior Ditch Day. We're playing hooky. Ah, All right. Nice. Oh, my gosh. I didn't ditch on Senior Ditch Day, so you gotta, this will be nerd. my first. You've got nerd. I know. I was a nerd. I yeah. couldn't. Well, <laughs> you, that means you, you have one banked. That you get to Ooh, use. Yeah. Okay. Can't wait. Uh, links and drinks open golf outing happening at Klein Creek Golf Club in beautiful Winfield, Illinois. Mm. Uh, we are going to be out there, the entire WLS uh, team, Monday, July 26th. Uh, you got to register uh, and register soon so you can get in all the free stuff, all the swag. Head over to WLSAM.com. Get registered now and then come out and uh, play some golf or Play some bad golf. Yeah, which just I hack think, around. Be a hell of a lot Pretend of bad golf. to golf, as yeah. I like to do. Or hang out at the good. beverage I cart. I look darn good. Yeah. Hang out at the beverage cart. You need just, an assistant? There you go. Yes. There you go. Do you yeah, need I an assistant on the assistant I don't cart? Beverage I will cart. not swing <laughs> that club. No. I will swing some. I will. I, I, I probably will um, hit the ball around a little, but I just want to warn people ahead of time that yeah. I have absolutely no idea where it's going, and I apologize in advance so for we'll anybody. We'll be hearing that, a lot of. I know where it's going. Might be four. You know, you know, it's a Cinderella boy. <laughs> so, uh, links and drinks coming up July twenty sixth. Register now. WLSAM dot com. Is is sleep a habit? How much sleep do you need? I've always heard the eight hours. Don't they always just say like standard? You need eight hours. Gotta have eight hours. Did you get your eight hours? Eight hours. Right? That's a thing. Mm-hmm. I need ten. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. I sleep. I need ten hours. Cheese, your son needs how much? Uh, 18, 18 19 hours. Somewhere yeah. in that range. Right yeah. there. It's about good right. for him. So everybody needs a different number. But what if you need dramatically less? My dad, I kid you not. I think my dad slept three to four hours a night. For decades, like yeah. not, n- not like for a weekend, and he used to complain. <laughs> but did he function normally? Yeah, was well, he? I mean, it's my was dad. He always in a bad mood. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. grade on a curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and he would literally say, "Sleep is a habit. You could learn how to break it. You don't need that much sleep. People don't need that much sleep." Like he believed it. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there are folks out there. Who can operate on a hell of a lot less sleep? Now, I used to say, I would think you'd be a hell of a lot more successful if you had all these extra waking hours, Dad. You know, uh, I, how come you haven't invented something yet? You know, where, yeah, where's security what, what was cancer? he doing when he woke up at 2 I in the morning? I had the foggiest idea what was going on. <laughs> I was watching sleeping. infomercials. I was sleeping during these times. But yes, uh, there is a gene, according to scientists out there, that um, people don't need to sleep as much. They're out there. 
They yeah. li- they're amongst us and they're not aliens? No, they looked at actually this this um, entire family in Utah, and they do have some mutation in their genes that they say causes them not to need as much sleep. They go to bed at the same time as everyone else. Okay. Like they go because some people would go to bed early and then sure. get up early. Yeah, no, they just need a couple hours of sleep. Now yeah. I'm saying I have a mutated gene that makes me sleep more. Fair enough. <laughs> because when I was little, I slept standing up. Get out. Oh, yeah. My parents told me all the time. And I remember it is. If we were somewhere, I would just lean against the wall and just sleep. I need my sleep. That's like narcolepsy. Or isn't that what that is? Where you just pass out? Well, yeah, yeah, there's that too. You know, don't be blowing my cover, Nick. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I. Have you been diagnosed with narcolepsy? No, but I I know know a guy who has narcolepsy. Well, I don't know if it's diagnosed, but he. yeah, no, no, he would I'm fall not. Asleep no, all the time. Yeah, no matter where the that, that, that is definitely a sitting disease. Sitting at a dinner table, yeah, you no. look over and go, "Is he asleep?" I don't <laughs> have that. Six thirty at night. When I'm tired, <laughs> I need to sleep. Yeah, I need. And who? Who's the bird brain who said eight hours? I don't Why know. Why can't it be ten from? hours? Why? What? I suppose it could. It, it all could. depends it on when is you go to for sleep. Me. Yeah. So Th- this it goes family, both ways. Uh, the Johnson family. The guy. Dad says. If you paid me a million dollars, I couldn't sleep eight hours. It doesn't matter what time I go to go to bed or how tired I am. I just can't sleep. He goes, the max he gets is like five. He operates on five hours. But it's again, I haven't been doing it for a couple of days. He's been doing it his it's entire life. life. Wow. It's how it's how his internal clock works. That's but now have you seen people with horrible bags under their eyes? And they're yeah, always every, oh, I look morning, in the mirror, yeah, in the and, mirror. yeah. But they're always complaining they don't get enough sleep. So yeah. I mean, there it's it's got to be just what your body needs, right? It is an uh, an acknowledgement that we're all different on something. And when yes. you hear these kind of like always or never or eight hours, take it with a grain of salt, right? Right. But it's interesting that your dad didn't need a lot of sleep, and you yeah. you sleep normal, or do you? I think I well, I have trouble sleeping. Yeah. But how many hours a night do you sleep? I take a pill. Mm, so that eight hours, you, you'd get your eight hours Six in? Six or seven. Yeah. I don't get eight. Because I do feel like it, it does, it, I, I totally, this story with the genes, it makes such sense to me because I feel like in families, you do what your family does, right? If your families are early risers, usually, generally, well, you I are. was raised by wolves. And so uh, my dad wasn't around all the time. My parents were separated. So I grew up with my dad. My brother grew up with my, with my mom. On the opposite sides of the country. That wasn't by accident. Yeah, right. That was entirely by design. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, I never, no one ever told me what time to go to bed or what time I had to wake up. Like, I never had rules like that. I know you guys are looking at me like I have a third eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. Who's who's the wolf? I was raised by them. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, crazy. Yeah. You fi- you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and you did. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, you go out. to sleep when you're tired, right? And you wake I up wake when up you're what? rested. That's what people say. What time are you going to get up? When I'm done sleeping. <laughs> I don't know. That's what time I, what time do you get up? I get up when I'm done sleeping. Yeah. That's what time you should get up. Yep. But yeah, sleep apparently, it, if it's not a habit, some of you have genes out there. You just don't need that much of it to function properly. Good on you. No kidding. I, I could wake up and then go back to sleep. <laughs> no problem. Like, I wake up at 7? Oh, I don't need to be up until 10. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a look me. at the big three stories that people are talking about, and Judy starts <laughs> us off.
Vaccinated people are dying from the Delta variant, Mm. but in small numbers and almost all over 50 years old. Now, in the UK, 117 people have died of Delta. About 50 were over 50 and fully vaccinated. Bruce? Wow. Uh, We are currently under a flash flood watch. Basically, if you can hear my voice. Do be careful. It is in effect until 7 p.m. tonight. We're expecting a lot of wet weather today, Cheese. Yeah, trying to uh, drive somewhere this 4th of July weekend. Well, you're going to have the highest gas prices in seven years. And lots of gas stations are running out of gas. Don't say that. Yes. Don't say that. It's like a tanker problem. Yeah. All right. Um. Yesterday we 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 had conversations about and and relayed to you the the weekend violence numbers. There were uh, two kind of high profile ish mass shootings with multiple eleven people in one, six in another. Seventy seven people shot last weekend. Yeah, and now we're heading into a three day weekend, a Fourth of July weekend, and a lot of people. I'd say it sounds to me like they're already starting to hold their breath. So what's going on? I want to understand more. Right now, joining us from the New Beginnings Church of Chicago is Pastor Corey Brooks. Pastor Brooks, I know that you do a lot of work. You you counsel, you minister, you talk to people on the streets, inside your community. Is some of these young people out there, are we missing something? Is there a bigger story as to that would explain maybe the uptick in violence, Pastor? Well, I mean... People are covering the issues and the points on why a lot of this is happening. Number one, you have a lot of fatherless young men who are angry and have angst against one another who are causing a lot of issues in our community. Number two, uh, you're dealing with a lot of hopelessness and uh, poverty. Then number three, you're dealing with the lack of education. There's a high extreme dropout rate with young black boys around the age of uh, the, around the ninth grade. And, uh, and then you couple that with, um, you know, retaliation and, and social media influences. And these are the issues that we're faced with every single day on why some of these young men are committing these horrible crimes. And as you say, I mean, those are issues that have been around for a while. What, what's different now? I mean, it, what do you, it feels like there's and, an uptick, doesn't right. there? And are you hearing in the community? I mean, are, are people saying, well, this is just the way it's been and the way it will always be? Or are you hearing something different these days? Oh, no, everyone is very aware uh, that there's a serious uptick in, in, in the violence. Yes, sir. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, unfortunately, you know, I, I even hate saying it is that you have all these people who were shut down during the pandemic and it allows so many social media issues to arise, conflicts to arise, and not knowing conflict resolution and how to handle these issues, well, when these uh, individuals were finally uh, free back into society, um, they've, they've carried out, you know, a lot of the issues that they've had with one another. So that's what we're seeing on display right before our very eyes. That's interesting, Pastor. Again, Pastor Corey Brooks with New Beginnings Church of Chicago, that uh, social media in and of itself, it's helping perpetuate, start these conflicts, these beefs. It's, it's amplifying them to that point. Is, yeah. is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, a lot of these individuals have beefs with other individuals. Well, it's hard to carry out a beef when uh, you're in a pandemic and everything is shut down. Mm. But when you're on social media, it, it magnifies it because now not only are you at uh, odds with one another, but you're bringing in more people into the issue. And it, it, we see this a lot 
working with our violence prevention team at Project Hood, we see these social media beefs going on uh, consistently. You wow. well, you call them beefs, Pastor, but I mean, are you talking about gangs? Some of it is gangs. Some of it is small cliques. Uh, a lot of uh, what happens in Chicago now is about these cliques who are part of larger gangs, but they go block from block. So on, you, you could be in the same gang, per se, like the GDs or the BDs, but then you could be on a different block, and that's a clique. So they click off and they splinter off, and, and sometimes these conflicts become personal, and sometimes they're block to block. Wow. Okay, so, and I'm... I'm- Again, I hope you understand, Pastor Brooks. If if I ask a stupid question, I'm I'm trying to understand and I'm trying to learn. No, no, no stupid question. Well, I appreciate that because you know, I, listen. I think this concerns everyone, even if I myself may not be in the crosshairs. You know, I I don't feel uniquely unsafe in the city of Chicago. I still care, and I care about what goes on, and I I also care that I know it impacts all of us in some way, shape, or form. There's a ripple effect to this violence out there, and I don't want anybody to be a victim. So we know that that gangs are part of it. Others are, again, these cliques. What's at the root of this? Is this this drug turf? Is this... Help me understand kind of where the root is of these conflicts. The root is the root is clout. Clout. Uh, yeah, these individuals uh, get clout for killings. Wow. And I know that's hard to understand. Wow. But they're constantly even in the even in some of the songs you'll hear them talking about how many bodies do you have things mm-hmm. like that. And what they mean by that is how many people have you killed? How many people have you shot? And so whereas when we were growing up, you got clout by playing sports or having the girls or things like that. These making money. Chasers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, making money, doing something else. These clout chasers now, it's all about the violence. It's all about how many Ugh. bodies do you have. How do you stop and, and that? They keep number, and they keep number. And they keep number. They, have tr- they keep thing. track. Right. They keep track. How many bodies do you have? How many does your clique have? How many does your group have? How many people have you dropped? How many people have died? The numbers are being kept. And so, again, it it goes back to the gangs. The gangs are ruling everything and ruining everything because I don't know how you stop that. When you you get to the point where you're now collecting bodies, what what program is going to help that person? Well, there's a lot of, there's some issues, and there are programs that can help. I, I believe that you have to catch them early. The earlier, the better. I, I believe that we have to provide alternatives, because if we don't provide alternatives, we're going to consistently see the issues that we're faced with with these young men. So we have to have alternatives. We have to have opportunities and options. And we need more detectives on the police force. I mean, the oh. clearance rate, you know, you got a better chance of, of killing somebody uh, than you do of getting a job and getting away with it. There's 90% you know, chance you'll get away with a murder in Chicago. These individuals are not being caught. If you do, uh, if you if you look back at some of these cases, you'll see that all of these murders have one thing in common: a murderer who is not being charged. And so, we need more detectives. Uh, these detectives in Chicago are overburdened. Uh, they don't their their workload is 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 outrageous, and and they can't solve the cases not because they're not good detectives but because their workload is tremendous. And so we definitely need more detectives on the Chicago police force. Because, you know, that is such a good point, Pastor, because you don't solve it, you don't get arrested. Well, it's the Wild West out there. People are now emboldened. They're they're emboldened to kill other people. 
Exactly. And and so not only do you now have these mass murderers, you now have these individuals who are serial killers. And I think that's one of the things that we're not talking about uh, along with these shootings is that some of these individuals are actually serial killers. Wow. They're, they're killing they're they're killing on a consistent basis and they're they're not being caught. Pastor Brooks, can you stick with us for a little bit? I want to dig into that, okay? Uh, Thank you very much. Again, he's Pastor Corey Brooks with New Beginnings Church of Chicago. Let's dig into that. I mean, we're literally at (laughs) some of these people are serial killers. Yeah. Some of these people have multiple, multiple bodies, as they call them, Mm. a a track record, a number of them, yet there is no follow-up. Pastor Corey Brooks with the New Beginnings Church of Chicago as last weekend was a violent weekend in Chicago and we're heading into a, a 4th of July weekend, a three-day weekend, uh, a lot of people out and about, barbecues, parties, fireworks, whatever it might be. Are you concerned about this weekend moving forward, Pastor Brooks? Do you, do you have a concern for the, the members in your community? Absolutely. Uh, I'm concerned about this weekend. I'm concerned about most weekends in Chicago. Uh, it's, it's, it's tend to be very violent weekends, uh, traditionally. And so we definitely have a lot to worry about. And I'm hopeful and prayerful that things won't be as bad as they've been. Uh, but the way things look, um, and, and seeing the direction that they're going, it seems like we're going to have a tough weekend. Can you give me an example of how you and some of the other organizations you work with, try to intervene, try to de-escalate, try to let off the steam. How does that work practically? Right. So we created an organization called Project Hood, H-O-O-D, projecthood.org. We have 10 full-time employees, uh, two part-time. The only job that they have is to de-escalate the violence. They go into the community. They work on uh, retaliation issues. They work on conflict resolution issues. And they try to get the direct individuals who are involved in these type of things. So that means they try to talk to those who are known shooters in our community. And they talk to those who have the potential to be shot. And and we try to work with them. We try to give them an alternative. We try to show them a different direction. And that's the only thing I believe that you can do in times like this. We have to get into the streets and we have to know our community and we have to get involved in their lives. Pastor Brooks, how prevalent is it that people, you know, when you have a mass shooting, you might have a lot of witnesses, a lot of people who maybe were injured or not even injured. But how prevalent is it that those people involved in the shooting don't help police they won't give up the suspect well a lot of times uh two situations one you're right that there are individuals that sometimes get away with these crimes because individuals will not uh tell they will not talk Uh, but what happens in a lot of those incidents where those individuals are not going to tell and not going to talk that means you can best believe there's going to be a retaliation if there's a known shooter so when there's a when the individual is known uh, there's going to be some street justice. And so some of these shootings that you see going on are a result of what people call street justice. And they've just basically taken the law into their own hands in the sense of, as opposed to calling the police or these detectives or, or whatnot, yes. they're, they're going to m- meet out their own punishment as per the street rules. Absolutely. They are going to issue out their own punishment. And the sad thing about it, though, is that when that happens, individuals who had nothing to do with it right. end up getting shot. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're at a party or you're on the block or you're at a picnic or you're at a barbecue or whatever. Somebody comes by and they shoot up the whole block. 
simply because someone came into their neighborhood and shot up the block. So individuals end up getting hit who had absolutely nothing to do with the crimes. Yeah, because reality is if, if, if murderers or shooters were just shooting each other, we care even less, if you could imagine. But when these you hear about these children being involved in this or innocent bystanders or walking to school or coming home or whatever, sitting in their house, becoming victims in the in the communities. And again, I, I, Pastor Brooks, you, you, you speak to these people. How scared are our people on the south side, on the west side? How, how scared are they just to go about their, their normal lives knowing this violence is for lack of better terms, right outside their front door. Right. People are very cautious. I mean, you know, even when I'm riding down certain streets or when I'm walking down certain street, I'm very cautious of my surroundings. Whereas uh, in the past, I may not have been as cautious, but with this mm. very, with this high uptick of violence, I'm very cautious. Even last night, my son was going out uh, to a music studio. I was so concerned. I even told him, you know, could you just not even go out tonight? Not even wow. go to the... You know, I just feel I don't feel right about it. Uh, thankfully, he came home and, and everything. But those are issues that we should not have to worry about living in a society. But on the south side of Chicago and the west side of Chicago, I'm afraid that, that these are issues that we, we we're afraid of. And you had mentioned, Pastor Brooks, uh, uh, you, that you need more police on the streets. Are you are you personally noticing not as many officers on the streets these days? Well, uh, it's not that we need more police officers on the street. We need more detectives, more specialized detectives. Uh, I think we have enough police officers. I don't think uh, more police officers is going to do the do do the job. But I do think having more police detectives uh, would help tremendously. And I think that is an area uh, that needs to be looked at because if not, uh, we're going to continue to deal with these untrained serial killers. Uh, you know, they're not trained wow. to shoot guns. They're not trained in any type of way, and so they end up injuring people who are innocent bystanders. But we definitely need more detectives in the city of Chicago. If I can help do anything, that would be it. We had talked about that earlier, that the the Inglewood shooting. I mean, they 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 don't have a suspect that we know of yet after five people were executed. Right. It's outrageous. It's outrageous, and that's what's happening with most of these crimes. If you have about a 90% chance of getting away with murder, on the south sides and west sides of Chicago. So these kids are doing better at murder than they do at school. And so they're, they're no wonder they're going to keep committing these crimes because there's no consequences. Yeah. Pastor Brooks, sincerely appreciate your time. Please be safe. <laughs> yeah. we'll conti- we will continue to talk to you, and, and we really appreciate some more of the insight in trying to understand the kind of the roots of the rage, where that violence is coming from. He's Pastor Corey Brooks from New Beginnings Church of Chicago. It is certainly difficult to continue to watch is this condo collapse in uh, Miami Beach, just north of Miami Beach, Surfside, Florida, to be exact, with... Um, Everything from conspiracy theories to actual issues with building maintenance and inspections flying around out there as to really at this point, what was the cause of it? Well, I don't think we've ever, ever seen anything like it, right? Not in America where a building just falls. So, you know, we have this, uh, we have a woman who called her husband, a model, to say that she had seen the pool deck. Collapse. Well, by the way, at one thirty in the morning, when, when yeah. it collapsed, when she's it collapsed. on the phone at the moment. Yeah, that it happened. So there's they're looking at that. They have all you know the structural um, 
uh, reports, the engineering reports. I mean, there's a lot going on. So you say it's and I would agree, certainly not usual for buildings to collapse. They are built not to. Yeah. Thank you very much. Joining us right now is Anisha Darwadkar. Uh, an assistant professor in the School of Architecture at the University of Illinois and a design practitioner based here in Chicago. Did I, did I do justice to your last name? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank goodness. So what have you seen? And I know that you probably approach this uh, again as, as a professor in architecture. You, you look at something like this very differently than, than maybe we see. What have you picked up uh, and what nuggets or bits of information have stood out to you? Yes, yeah, so um, I think that maybe it's important to just describe um, in sort of layman's terms what the construction type of this building is. Okay. So it is a poured concrete structure with steel reinforcement. Um, and this is very typical, almost ubiquitous in this country um, for multi-unit uh, residential buildings because um, concrete is a material that absorbs sound. Um, and so when we're designing the building um, where you want to have units that are kind of separated by sound barriers, um, this is the type of uh, construction that we use. And so this is, um, you find this all over the country. Um, now what's different about the building um, in Surfside is that it's so close to the beach. Um, and it was also constructed about 40 years ago. Um, and so thinking about the location and the possibility that the ground itself has kind of changed the composition of the soil beneath mm. the building might have changed or might have become um, extraordinarily waterlogged over the last four decades, I think it's a possibility that the, those kinds of changes might have contributed to this. Um, and I'm, I'm mentioning that specifically because some new images have come out of photographs of the pool equipment room okay. uh, that show a lot of cracking. Um, and so this is something that would be located in the parking garage level. So this is underground. Um, so we see a lot of cracking and we see a lot of water um, that is being sort of trapped inside the walls and actually standing um, within that room. And where and so is that, that water me, coming from? So that to me would indicate that um, there's a possibility that the ground itself right outside the structure um, is becoming increasingly waterlogged um, and that it's possible that that is coming from kind of a, a change in the way that the sea is sort of operating at that coastline um, and possibly increasing in height. So there are thousands of other buildings in that area, <laughs> to say the right? Least, right? I mean, what does that mean? If Because I was thinking maybe the water was coming in from rain or from hurricanes or being, you know, leaking, but you're saying... It's, it could be from underground. Yeah, so it, it could be from sea level rise. I think it my, my guess is that it's probably a combination of all of the things that you mentioned. Um, basically, the environment is changing at an unexpectedly rapid pace um, in locations like this. And so it's a combination of increased storms, um, you know, the possibility that the sea level itself is actually changing. Um, and so I think that is contributing to um, changes uh, at the ground level and underground um, that might be sort of affecting the structure in a significant way. She is uh, Anisha 
Darwadkar, uh, a associate professor at the School of Architecture at the University of Illinois and a design practitioner based here in Chicago, the Chicago Design Office, for goodness sakes. Uh, what would you make of the, and, and we spoke about it briefly at the very beginning, the report of the woman who was literally on the phone with her husband, apparently at the exact time that the building collapsed. Standing on the balcony, looking. Noticing a what she described as a sinkhole by the pool, in the pool, some way, shape, or form, which was followed by a rumbling, screams, and the phone going down. Would, would, a, would a sinkhole be able to contribute to something like this? Would that be a concern of yours, looking at it from an architectural standpoint? Yeah, I think that's a possibility as well. Um, I think that we're we're not going to know until for sure until they're able to actually sort through the wreckage and kind of look at what is going on at this parking garage level. Um, but it seems to me that um, this is it was that parking garage kind of right below the pool mm-hmm. um, where the majority of the issues are stemming from. Wow! But wouldn't that have affected the whole building? Why only one part of the building? So that is something that um, I think is going to emerge with a closer inspection of the original construction documents. Um, The one thing that I have noticed, um, and I'm not sure if this is sort of a quirk of the drawings that have been published, um, or if this is something that um, is actually kind of an issue, Um, but I'm looking uh, right now at a diagram of the parking garage. And so there's two towers um, in this complex, and it was the east tower that collapsed. And the drawing that I'm looking at seems to indicate that the columns in the portion of the building that did not collapse are actually a larger dimension. Um, So in the drawing, the columns themselves actually look thicker than the columns that were supporting um, the portion that did fall down. Um, So again, I don't know if that is um, like a, a quirk in the drawing that I'm looking at or if that's something that actually needs to be investigated, but that could possibly um, be a determining factor. Associate Professor Wadker with the University of Chicago. I, w- I want to kind of follow up then on on the building construction. We talked about the concrete with steel reinforced, maybe a difference in it. We also know that um, this building was, I say, almost exactly 40 years old and that that is a... Uh, a line of demarcation in buildings. It was going through some sort of a major inspection slash overhaul. What sort of things are they looking for when inspecting a building that's 40 years old? Which I guess you could look at, is that an old building or is that a relatively new building in the world of buildings? Yeah, it's kind of in the middle. Okay. Um, and I think the big the big issue is that building codes themselves have changed a lot since 1980. Um, and so buildings that were built to a certain standard in 1980 may not meet current standards. Um, so things like, for example, the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, which passed in the 1990s, changed the way that buildings are constructed and they kind of changed the building codes. And so um, a lot of buildings that were built kind of before that um, or kind of back in the 1980s um, would need to be um, sort of inspected and updated uh, for for those kinds of changes. And so it, it sort of makes sense to me that about at about the 40-year mark, um, the building would be inspected. I think the really unfortunate thing here is that that inspection occurred in 2018, but it wasn't until this year that the updates were actually going to take place. 
Um, so it sounds like maybe there was kind of a lot of time in between when they identified mm. Um, visually, some of the issues, so um, waterlogging, um, possibly some rusting in the reinforced steel. Um, so it, it seems like there was kind of a big gap of time between when an engineer or an inspector noticed these things and when they were actually planning on making the updates. Well, you really do. You see this through a completely different lens, and I really appreciate your insight into this uh, very much. Uh, Anisha Dar Wadker, an assistant professor at the School of Architecture at the University of Illinois, and also the founder of the firm Chicago Design Office. Again, as an architect, kind of seeing this uh, through a different lens as the investigation continues and as the recovery slash rescue operation, Judy, continues. uh, Yeah, we are at 11, um, recovered 156 still missing still missing somewhere in the in the rubble in the of that rubble, building right. is what is the and there are assumption. 24 hours a day they're they're looking there's no, without no a doubt. stop without a doubt uh, it is unique in the world of of sexual assault scandals like when i hear those i admit this is the bruce bias i think of a, of a man preying upon a woman mm-hmm. i think of harvey weinstein I think of Bill Cosby, you know, I think of some of these pedophile priests, if you will, in in some cases, a person in power uh, um, preying upon someone. Certainly we've had, you know, them in sports, Jerry, what's his name over um, the college? Uh, Penn State. Penn State, thank you. But this one is really interesting because it involves professional athletes. Mm -hmm. The professional athletes being members of the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, this goes back 10 years, 10 years, which is interesting in and of itself. But two different Blackhawks players are making some pretty serious allegations. Yeah. And the Blackhawks have hired a former federal prosecutor to review those allegations. Uh, they're against a former coach who they these two players say sexually assaulted them in 2010. So back in, in 2010. Wow. And that was the, that was the Stanley Cup run, if I remember yep. correctly. Mm-hmm. Back then. So they've hired uh, Reed Share of uh, Jenner and Block to investigate. L- listen, I, n- I can only imagine how difficult it is to come forward and say you've been in any yeah. way, shape, or form uh, sexually assaulted, sexually harassed, man or woman. Again, is this is this running it through the Bruce filter that I think for a professional athlete to come forward and say an employee of the Blackhawks did something you know, was inappropriate or did something to you? So not only are they investigating that, they're investigating how that was handled. That claim. So that were there original? Yeah, there's a law, there's a, of course there's a lawsuit and, now. Right. Yeah, and it's against the uh, former video coach Bradley Aldridge. A co- a video, not even the head coach, the video coach. And the former Hawks players have said the alleged assaults were widely known in the organization. That they, that they were aware of it and didn't players, do something. Players, former players. The Hawks are denying any wrongdoing, um, saying that after the lawsuit was filed last month is when they hired the federal How many How many of you work at a place where you've had to, walk, uh, had to, and I'm not trying to be overly mean to our HR department, but you, you work at a business where you've got this uh, sexual harassment videos you need to watch, online training, all this, that, and the other. How do you report it? How do you treat it when somebody makes a, a, an allegation of any way, the, the proper steps to go through? All that stuff is in place. To protect the company. Yeah. We did everything we could. We laid it out. We investigated it. We took the, we took it seriously. You, you, you know what I'm saying? 
in my head, I just cannot imagine a bunch of hockey players sitting around watching the sexual harassment video. Like, is that a yeah. thing? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? I don't know why I think in an insurance company or a radio station, it's more prevalent. But that with professional athletes, like, yeah, we that's not the HR department they have. You know, it's interesting. When that first became a big thing as a girl working in an industry, I appreciated it. Because sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. it taught a lot of men what not, you know, like who didn't Do's really know. It's like, Where the yeah, was. when you go up and touch that girl that way, yeah. that's not Good point. right. Good point. So, you know, it was, it is helpful. But, yeah, I don't know what professional athletes, I mean, just on the merits of what I see here, and I know nothing more about it than the story is, yikes, why wasn't, why weren't these dealt with investigated back 10 years ago it's raining i don't need to tell you that probably <laughs> look outside the windshield wipers are going but there is a flash flood watch in effect until 7 p.m tonight the ground is super saturated it's not hard to get flooding do be careful out there cheese yep planning on driving somewhere for the fourth of july weekend well you might want to think again gas prices are at their highest price in seven years and Many gas stations are running out of gas. Oh. So have fun. Judy Pie? More bad news. <laughs> Vaccinated people are now dying from the Delta variant, uh, but they are in very small numbers, and almost all of them are over 50. But you might have to put the mask back on. Uh, oh, sorry. Goodness. All right. You know, we, we've spoken uh, uh, at various times about the ride share world, the Ubers and the Lyfts, because I get a sense like... I. Like, I don't remember when Uber and Lyft was invented. Yeah. I feel like there's all these new technologies. I'm like, I wasn't alive. when they, We've had them our whole lives, haven't we? No, we obviously did. So I felt like there was kind of, it started off, and I remember at the very beginning, I'm not getting in a car with a stranger. Yeah. Oh, you've lost your minds? I spent my whole life with mom and dad telling me, don't get in cars with strangers. Now I'm going to pay somebody to get in a car I used to ask their name. Yeah. They'd pull up and say, and you are who? Because I had their name on my app. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it became... It became like norm, a thing. Yeah. Everybody jumping in and doing it. And now I get a sense that, that maybe it's it's starting to change a little bit for a variety of reasons, whether it be they regulatory, safety, uh, whatever it might be. Joining us right now from the Independent Drivers Guild is Lenny Sanchez. Good morning, Lenny. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Thank you very much for having us on. So a couple of different things. First off, there is some proposed uh, legislation. How would that impact uh, the drivers if they set a, a minimum pay rate? Are you guys in favor or opposed to that? Of a pay floor, a minimum pay rate, we are definitely in favor of that. It would be beneficial because drivers would see their earnings increase just like they have in New York where a pay floor was created. Okay, so a pay floor, a minimum, and is that a minimum dollar amount or is that a minimum percentage of the, the ride? Because I know that whether it's Lyft or Uber, you, you, you share it with the company, for lack of better terms. So the ordinance isn't very clear on how it would create that pay floor. We believe they're going to adopt much of what New York has created. So in New York, it is an hourly guarantee. It's just oh. below $28, and that's uh, taking into account expenses for operating our vehicles. So I, I'm a little bit confused. So who pays that? So hypothetically, if a driver is working on the app and they only make 20 bucks in, in an hour on Uber, Uber would be on the books for the other $8. They would pay them the difference on the oh. hourly guarantee. But um, in most cases, the drivers are earning 
significantly above the pay floor in New York. Okay. Is okay. It, are they doing? Are they earning that here as well? No. Um, well, uh, during the pandemic and because of fear of being carjacked and sexually assaulted by your passengers, you know, the earnings are very attractive for drivers right now because there's a big imbalance between the supply and demand. And Uber has injected a quarter billion dollars into what they call the driver stimulus program. So they are being generous and earnings are very high, but that is very temporary here in Chicago. Question for you, uh, Lenny. And again, I am uh, I apologize. Yeah. I feel like Lenny and I, we go back. I guess call him Lenny. Lenny Sanchez uh, with the Independent Drivers Guild. I got really comfortable with you real quick, Got Lenny. a question, Len. Um, that I You're am, acting like he's your Uber driver. But, yeah. but I, and I'm very friendly with them, by the way. And, and I use them often. Why am I struggling to find them? Why am I getting the the long waits? Why am I getting, which I'd never seen before, no drivers in your area? Is You mentioned a few of the reasons but there's got to be money out there to be made. Are you telling me it's just not worth it for many of them? Yeah, it's a risk-reward situation, and despite the earnings being really attractive right now, the risk is still not worth it to many of us, and that's me, myself included. Really? I have, Yeah, I have colleagues that are making doctor money right now, brother, <laughs> and I'm not going to go do it, and I got plenty of debt, and I have three kids, so I can use every penny possible. Really? But so. you don't feel safe? Is it is it your physical safety? Is it your medical COVID safety? Where is your concern, your level? Um, COVID, for me personally, is no longer an issue with vaccinations okay. being so much out there. It truly is the fear of being carjacked, being wow. shot while I'm working this job yeah that is my personal fear and okay. i think it's well warranted well wow. and i think because i've been trying to tell bruce that while he's unable to get an uber or lyft in the suburbs it's no problem yeah i'm downtown and i have trouble right. finding them and i think it is that you're downtown chicago and that would you concern. say that lenny yeah it's actually you know in the past in the 80s you guys remember the cab industry would underserve certain communities especially sure. ones in the south and west side and that's exactly where we're seeing now. People on the burbs, north side, they're not having as much difficulty getting a ride as there are people, even in the center of the city, <clears throat> because of the fear of the crimes that are happening, because the assaults are happening all over. They're not just concentrated in a couple neighborhoods like in the 80s. So let Lenny Sanchez, again, with the Independent Drivers Guild representing Lyft and Uber drivers, the, the minimum pay floor, that, that doesn't make you feel any more comfortable. So how does this problem solve itself? The companies need to stop looking at us as collateral damage. If somebody gets killed while working this job, it can't just be, oh, well, it's part of business. They actually need to do things to deter criminals from using the application and they, the way that they are. And despite what they put out in the media and the news, they're not doing very much to do that. They need to, in our opinion, first and foremost, require a selfie before every single request, not to be shared by driver with the drivers, because we know there's bad drivers that will either discriminate or target passengers based on the way that they look, just to be a process in ordering a ride to deter the criminals from carjacking us, sexually assaulting us, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So all the money you say they've just spent to, to you know keep drivers safe, it's not really working? Very minimal what they changed. So one of the verification processes that they changed was only for accounts that are using unverified form of payment, Venmo, Cash App, um, a prepaid gift card or credit card. 
which is fine, it's that they need to upload an ID, but we want it to be on every single ride because in the case of Elijah Newman, who was killed working Lyft in St. Louis, St. Louis PD said that his killer, who they caught, used that same email address and account to carjack multiple other workers wow. prior to that. So that's an account that was already existing that wasn't a new account. They need to take their steps that they've taken much further than just a baby step. Wow. Well, uh, the things we don't know, and again, seeing the seeing it from your perspective as not only part of the Independent Drivers Guild, but as a a, a driver yourself out there, uh, and the concerns that you guys have for safety. Do you think that those mitigation efforts, at least when it comes to the app, if those were put in place, do you think more drivers like yourself would come back and feel more comfortable getting behind the wheel? A hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. I also think drivers will stop arming themselves as well because we are mm. seeing that. And that's a violation of the terms of service and is a potential nightmare situation for passengers. Yeah. I, I can certainly understand that to a certain extent. You know, we really appreciate your help and we wish you the best of luck. And also uh, be, be safe when you do get behind the wheel there. And Lenny, I hope you're my driver. If I get a driver named Lenny, I'm going to go, Lenny! Lenny! We know each other. Time, if you do get me, you'll be able to uh, put me down as one of your favorite drivers. That's a new feature on the app. Oh, nice. <laughs> wow. I'm nice. so going to start having yeah. favorite drivers. Outstanding. He's Lenny Sanchez, the Independent Drivers Guild, representing Lyft and Uber, where we're learning again. So it's not my imagination. No. Like, you guys, I, I, every time I tell you it's difficult to find a, a ride, you're like, hey, come, come on. on. Well, only because yeah. it's not difficult for us in the suburbs. That's yeah. why it was unusual. Yeah. Mm. I, I'm not kidding. I, I, like, I didn't know it was a thing that you'd open up the app and say, I want to go here. And they go, no drivers in your area. What do you mean there's no drivers in my area? I live in <laughs> Downtown Chicago. Chicago, yeah. There's got to be somebody around here, right? Yeah. But they're choosing not to do go. it for a variety of reasons. And we'll see if that uh, could, uh, that changes as we, we move forward. Hey, I want to remind you that we are, uh, we're playing a game. You you want to, you want to bet? You want to? Want to gamble a little bit? Head over to WLSAM.com slash versus, V-E-R-S-U-S, or download the Verse app. Yeah. And uh, Judy and I have a bet going on Wednesday night's Phoenix Suns Los Angeles Clippers game as to who will score more points. Me being the former Phoenician, I'm down with Suns player D-Book. Devin Booker yeah. is going to score more points. And I have that Judy, player on the other team. His name's yeah. Paul Chris, George. Chris, Paul George, what's yeah. his name? Yeah, Paul George. Paul George. Paul George, yeah. So who's going to score more points? You can go to the Versus app and bet or go to WLSAM.com slash Versus. It'll take you to a link there, and you can uh, you can bet along with us as to who's going to score George. more points. Wednesday <laughs> night, game six of the NBA playoffs. Um, so the the... What I didn't know about Britney Spears was a lot. And and this is coming from somebody. I do not mean to insert myself into the story in any way, shape, or form, because I'm not. Mm -hmm. But I've met Britney Spears on more occasions than I can count. I've been around her. Okay. Met her dad. Yeah. uh, Been backstage with her. um, Met her away from concerts. You know, just being in the music industry, Brit Brit was a pretty big star, and she would show up at events and whatever. Um, But what was going on behind the scenes? What was going on personally with her, I think was a bit of a mystery to a lot of folks. This documentary came out. Uh, you can watch it on Hulu and blew my mind. Then we had, we learned all about this conservatorship, the fact that her father controls every aspect of her life. And when I say every aspect, 
I mean every aspect. Yeah. The military I might not control shocked. as much uh, parts of your life. By the way, her estranged father, okay? Right. They weren't even close. They don't even have a very good relationship. Yeah. And maybe the part that, and I remember telling you, Judy, the, the part that I thought, even for me, was most shocking is that her father had a doctor insert a IUD into her to prevent her from getting pregnant, and she is not allowed by a court order to have to go to a doctor and have it taken out. Every time I hear that, my blood boils. So, yeah, and you know why? So because God, you don't want her to be pregnant because so, she can't work. So does Julie Burkhart, and uh, Julie is joining us right now, founder and CEO of Trust Women. Julie, my guess is your blood was boiling as well. Good morning. It's nice to be here. And yes, that is absolutely correct. Um, Anytime that a person's bodily autonomy and their choice um, for reproductive rights is taken away, um, that that really makes uh, our blood boil because that is what trust women is about. Yeah, and 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 the and maybe the weirdest part about this is we're all learning about like conservatorship and how how this works its way through the courts. But count me as someone who didn't think that was a part of a conservatorship. You know, I thought this was more about money and and you know uh, controlling her estate. But it actually gets down to her physical body and decisions she makes for herself or doesn't in this case. Well, it's an absolute um, tragedy, and you know, until we have um, respect for people's choices, then people are not going to have um, that dignity uh, that they need to be afforded in in this world, in in our society. I, I and I, I'm struggling to think of of a case where this if the roles were reversed if it was a man in that role what <laughs> okay. what would you know well, what, what would, would that look like what would that look like what could you do that would be the same as to say yeah you can't i mean she can't even go to the doctor without permission it's a, it's absurd it, it 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 is absurd and to tell um a woman uh to tell any person that they may not consult with a medical professional uh those professionals who have been trained uh, in the administration of medicine is um, it, it, it is just shocking and heartbreaking. And, you know, I wanted to relay to you one of the things Please. that my former boss used to say was that um, in terms of abortion, that abortion is not a cerebral matter. Abortion is not a medical matter. Abortion is a matter of the heart, and until you understand the heart of a woman, you don't understand anything about abortion. Well, that also applies to deciding how you're going to and when you're going to control your fertility and when you're going to and how you're going to give birth. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wanted to relay that. No, I, th- I think that's a, a yeah, solid Yeah, you know, I, I have, I'm my daughter's guardian. She's okay. 29. And it is amazing when we go to the doctor and if I go in the room with her, that doctor always makes sure to be like, mom, step aside for a minute here. I'm going to talk to your daughter one on one now because that is their job. They to, to, you know, make sure even though I'm her guardian, she has rights too. This conservatorship, I'm not understanding. It's <laughs> like out of the dark ages. Well, and, I, well, and I wonder how many Britney Spears will use the term is a high profile example of this. I wonder how many other women are 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 subjected to this through this weird 
system of 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 the law. I mean, I, do we get any sense of how many people are 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 still feeling this? I mean, again, we know it's Britney Spears because of her celebrity, but she's hardly the only one. Well, I would say that if you look at the number of regulations that have been passed in states across America over uh, the last several decades um, that control people's fertility and their ability to access care, um, those laws, uh, by and large, and I will argue 99% of those at least, um, are directed towards women and um, the suppression of, uh, you know, suppressing in Suppressing a woman's body, yes. Julie, thank you so much for your time today. She's Julie Burkhart, the founder and CEO of Trust Women. As we, we continue to learn more about this, the Britney Spears conservatorship and uh, a, a public opinion certainly, I think, has shifted dramatically towards her side, especially when you learn things like she's not even in, in control of her own body or medical decisions, even though she's perfectly capable to go out and perform yeah, in concerts and re- raise yeah. her children yeah. that it, she has. It, yeah, it's that's about fine. bad decisions, fine, but I mean, obviously it's not. It's it's way beyond that. Where do I get that white um, marker that I can write on my car so I can put free Britney okay, yeah. on well, my oh, back window? Free Britney. Hashtag oh, free yeah. Britney. Free Britney. Right. Well, the, the bad news is today it would wash right off. But we'll work on it for you. <laughs> maybe we'll do it on the inside of the window and learn how to write backwards for you. Um, uh, just a reminder, and, and maybe it's because it's a little new. We had some issues the other day with some of the, the massive rain. Be careful when you drive into, like, the big puddles. You don't know how deep they are. Mm-hmm. And avoid your car probably isn't a boat. Uh, Many of you don't have that combo going and you end up just stuck in the middle of water with it coming through the windows. (laughs) I've got to tell you what, you good point. Yeah, you might just disappear. Hope you're a good (laughs) swimmer. Okay, so, um, hey, listen, I am rip roaring ready. About this time every morning, we start thinking about food already. Mm. Well, some of us think about food all the time, quite honestly, right? Which is great because. Every day at this time, we get together, and joining us right now, he is Michael Goodman. He is the owner, that's right, the head cheese, over at Schmaltz Deli. Good morning to you. Good morning, Bruce. How are you doing today? Awesome. Uh, Any better, I'd be you. I am excited that you are joining us because delis are for everyone. I love delis from that standpoint. When you go to a deli, you'd be like... What do you want to eat? Get, they've got everything, yeah, for God's ask. sakes. Everybody <laughs> is going to find something they love, and your deli is looks exactly like that. Just looking over the menu, my goodness, it's one of everything and two of some things, Michael. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We've got um, everything from corned beef and pastrami, uh, turkey sandwiches. Uh, we have our own bakery. Uh, we make all our homemade soups. Ooh. Uh, we do everything from scratch kitchen as much as possible. So, um, and we are expanding our menu options uh, probably in, within the next six months. So, oh, wow. there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Are you expanding because business is good? So, we are actually buying a building, um, and we're going to be changing our flagship location. Um, we've been in business for 17 years, um, and we've outgrown our current location, and uh, we need to expand. So. Uh, there's, of course, with that, there's a few other things um, that we're going to do, and uh, it, it also means we're going to expand our breakfast menu and our dinner menu as well. So we'll have more of a sit-down service uh, versus just the quick service, which is what everybody knows us for today. 
So, well, Michael, um, I, I, I'm going to take that yeah. as good news. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're, we're yeah, we've Brilliant. we've heard so many difficult stories and the pain that a lot of you uh, uh, business owners, uh, uh, restaurant, those people that own restaurants have gone through and to hear that, hey, we're looking at expanding, we can serve even even more people. That's a that's a great success story to hear at this time. It is. It is. And I, I won't say it didn't come with any troubles. It, uh, it had plenty oh. of ups and downs along the way. Um, but we've been uh, been very fortunate um, and the community response has been great. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to, you know, continuing our growth. Here, here. And Sch- Schmaltz's is in uh, Naperville. So we have one location, Naperville. That's the that's the current flagship. That's the one that's been there for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we also opened a restaurant last year um, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, on, on yeah, May 5th, Sorry. Uh, Cinco de Schmaltz uh, over in Wheaton. Cinco Illinois. de Schmaltz, perfect. Yeah. Over in Wheaton. Now, when you say you're going to expand into more of a restaurant, but is it going to still have that deli feel? Because I love me some deli. Absolutely. So we are going to be changing up a couple things. So right now, when you come into our Naperville location, um, there are many times where it is just jam-packed and busy. People are having to wait in line for 15, 20 minutes just to get up to the register sometimes. Um, so what we're, what we're looking at in Naperville is everything that we offer gets ordered at one register point. Um, in the new restaurant, we're going to be separating the retail um, so all of your deli uh, salads and meats and cheeses, uh, the bagels, the bakery, all of that's going to be on its own side. Oh. And then the down uh, plates where we have all of our sandwiches to offer um, is also going to is going to be in a whole separate area. So if you're looking to eat and sit down, uh, you'll be able to get in right away versus having to wait for somebody at the deli counter that you know wants sliced pastrami to take home. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> and most importantly, do you have matzo ball soup? Come on. Absolutely. That's like, do we have a roof on the place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. So we've got many Jewish favorites, uh, but we do um, we do go with uh, that. We're we're for everybody. We're yeah. a Jewish deli for the rest of us. So that's that's really yeah. you know our niche market. I would say we we have a lot of um, old style Jewish recipes um, and key core items like matzo ball soup. Uh, that you know are staples on our menu, but we offer a little bit of everything, and um, yeah. there, there's not a bad choice. I, it certainly looks that way. Again, he's the owner, Michael Goodman of Schmaltz Delicatessen, uh, uh, the the flagship, as we call it, in Naperville, as well as a second location in Wheaton. I, I'm curious as as we we talk about restaurants. You know, one of the things that has popped up over and over again is uh, now that we've we're coming out of. Uh, the pando, as we like to refer to it as Mr. Goodman, uh, is how difficult is it running a restaurant these days? Are you struggling like many others in having a, the, the right number of employees? Are you having to, to still pivot and shift as the way you run a business? So I would say that the uh, the employee standpoint has probably been the most difficult uh, throughout this entire uh, process of the the, the pando, um, as you call it. So. <laughs> Feel free to start nice. using that. By the nice. way, we think it yeah. sounds a lot better. Like yeah, it, it does. It has a nice ring to it. Yeah. So, um, so you you well, yeah uh, okay yeah the, the the employee standpoint has been tough. Um, we've asked a lot of our managers, um, especially up front. We had to close down for the first two weeks back in uh, what was it uh, March of 2020 and into April, uh, we ended up opening up for the Jewish holiday Passover, 
because we still wanted to be there for the community for that. Um, there was such a success story there, um, just from people being happy that we were there to offer them something. Um, they were just extremely, um, you know, gracious that we had something to offer them for that, that we decided, you know what, let's, let's stay open. But, uh, maybe we'll start to bring back some of the employees if they feel comfortable coming in and, uh, we'd go from there. And, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of ramped that up over the last year. We opened up the in-store dining again. Um, and that really has helped kind of drive people back in. And, um, we're not, we're not nearly where we were pre-pandemic, but we are, we're getting there. Outstanding. We wish you continued uh, success and continued good luck and continued growth. Michael, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much for having Thank you. Me. He's Michael Goodman, the owner of Schmaltz Delicatessen. You can find him at schmaltzdeli.com with two locations to yeah. serve you. I'm so going to get some Naperville and too. Wheaton. And again, it's the type of deli that has something for absolutely everybody. Thank you for spending time with us. You know, we podcast this show. Again, just as surprised as you are. Uh, you can check it out, iTunes to Google Play, or just go over to WLSAM.com, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got all the links. You can download things there. And if you missed it, in the 7 o'clock hour, we talked to Pastor Corey Brooks uh, with the New Beginnings Church of Chicago down on the south side and had uh, what I thought was a pretty illuminating conversation and a very real conversation about kind of the roots of the violence. Where is it coming from? Who is engaged in it? Where? What can be done? Coming from someone who, like he's he said. He's on this, yeah, boots he, on the he, street, when right? He, when he, and when he walks out, you know, to walk down the street, looks over his shoulder. He's a pastor. For uh, sakes. I, it was so sad to hear him say as a parent that he didn't want his son to parent, go out the other yeah. day. Amazing. Mm. So it, it, you can you can download that. You can listen to it and uh, maybe learn uh, like we did along with us uh, where some of that's come from. Um, so there's a there's a restaurant. There's, always, there's, there's a guy. This is, <laughs> is this the outrage of the day? The outrage of the day is should you who's responsible? Maybe that's the way who's responsible for paying employees a living wage, is it A, the employer, or B, you the customer? Because we got a pizza place that I think has turned it on its ear. Well, and I mean, let's face it. Ultimately, we the customer, we the consumer are going to pay. But We're just not this, used to paying directly. In this case, yeah. <laughs> not only are we paying directly, in, we're, they're going to put it right on your bill there. They may as well just say, hey, sucka. <laughs> Tip this guy who doesn't deserve a tip. Sucker. So yeah, they're going to add this this pizzeria Toro. Yeah, which Can I means say it with any more disdain. Bull. Bull. Okay, yeah, that's a lot of bull. That's I'm just going to call it. Okay, <laughs> so this bull restaurant, they're adding a twenty percent gratuity called a fair wage service fee to every bill for dining customers. Automatic. Oh, he thought about just um, raising prices, which is what businesses should do when yeah. they want to pay their employees more. Right. Instead, he said he wanted to be more transparent. I don't think he's being more transparent. He's being no. transparent enough for me never to go ever to go to this bull restaurant. It literally says on the receipt underneath the fair wage service fee, 20%. It has a message that says, seen and unseen hourly wage workers are the backbone of the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. How's this any of my you problem? You know what they're called? I don't understand. You know what they're called? Employees. Exactamundo. Like, why? What? Why is it my problem that you can't figure out how to pay your people properly? Right? That's not my issue. They should shut their doors. Obviously, he doesn't make enough money. 
Well, but it also comes across as kind of a way to screw you. So as opposed to, hey, the price of a pizza went from 10 bucks to 12 bucks. And again, I have no idea what pizza or any Toro is charging these days. As opposed to doing that, they kind of stiff you at the very end with a mandatory 20%. Yeah. You were like, well, wait, hold on a second. Well, where did this extra 20 come from? Mm-hmm. And how, I gotta believe, I gotta believe that the majority of people, majority, who get their bill at Pizzeria Toro in Durham, North Carolina. That's their tip. That's it. Yep. There goes your tip. Yeah. Well, apparently, well, there it's there. It's already on boom. there. They already got it. I'm not tipping on I top of that. I see that, and I'm like, oh, you just added the tip? Okay, yeah. I wouldn't either, yeah. No, no. Yeah, you just that's messed with the, the server. Yeah. That's the fair service yeah. wage. No, you can call it whatever you want. I'm calling it the tip. Yeah. If you want to pay your employees 20% more or whatever, then charge 20% more for your, your pizzas, your sodas, right. your breadsticks, and I can make a decision whether I want to whether I think it's a good deal for the family to go and have lunch or dinner. But adding it on the end, it's kind of like a screw you on your way out the door. Yeah, exactly. And it's also a screw you to, like I said, the, the servers. Cause like, yeah, not you're not going to tip them. No. That's the tip. No. Um, yeah, I'm not yeah, tipping on the top Durham of that. The Durham Living Wage Project recognizes employers in the area. It says pay a living wage. Pizzeria Toro, Bull, is not certified as a living wage business because Obviously. it's not being paid. They're not paying the wage we are. The, right. We mean the consumer. So, but, yeah, it's not even. Again. It's not even a, a fair living wage. They're not even in that realm. They're just making it up. Wow. You think he's just keeping the diff? Oh, yeah. He's the, not, the boss? He's not splitting that among. Pizzeria Toro? The dishwashers, yeah, the bussers. Right? Exactly. Splitting it. And none of the waiters are getting tips. Nope. None of them are getting tips after I this. Got, I got to believe a no. lot of people look at that and go, yeah, no. It's 40%. Right, because if, if you add yeah. the twenty percent they 40%. added, and then you add your own tip, yeah, no, that's not happening. Wow. That's not happening. And I'm not cheap when it comes to that. I, I don't listen. It's not about tipping; it's about over tipping. I, I want. This is how insecure I am. I want waiters and waitresses to like me. Oh yeah. Okay, so I, I, I don't know why I'll never see them again in places that I've been once in my life. I'm like, I really don't want them oh, to not like me. I'm going to tip twenty four percent today. You know, whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to make sure. And so, but but also during the pando, yeah, I realized things are tough all over. Yeah. Hey, people got some depression. If got some depression during the pando, mm-hmm. and it, so you are. Employed, you you've got money in the you're bank. You're going out there. You, you're taking the risk. Yes. I appreciate what they did. That's I, why tipped, I, did it. I tipped a little bit more, even yeah. than maybe I normally did. I tipped okay? a lot more. A lot more. Yeah, wow. I did. I it, just for that reason, they were out there working yeah. when other people didn't want to or were taking the unemployment. So yeah, I did. I tipped well. But if you're going to build it in like that or throw it on the bill at the very end, not not build it into the price of your goods and services, whatever you're doing at restaurant or whatever it might be. Uh, you're not going to charge more for a hotel room because you're paying your employees more. That's great. Do what you got to do. Yeah. That's your business. But why? It would be like checking out of a hotel. And they go, great, here's your room rate. Oh, and by the way, extra $100. What's the extra $100 for? Oh, so we can pay people around here. <laughs> why is that the price of the room? So we can the clean hell? your room. Yeah. It's yeah. not my business. You run, you're not running your business very well. Right. It's one of the reasons why I think we're going to hell in a handbasket. Yes, Don't worry. Are. Judy says she can restore your faith in humanity. I got a good one today. A Chicago police officer who founded an after-school program for young people in the Woodlaw neighborhood has hit the jackpot, and she has some big plans for that money. Officer Jennifer Maddox is being given a million dollars by the Beachbody Foundation, so her Future Ties organization can buy a former Walgreens on 63rd and King Drive 
and turn it into a health, wellness, and social service center for the community. We've been talking about the violence problem this whole day. She says it's a dream come true. The Beachbody Foundation is making that donation to mark going public on the New York Stock Exchange on Monday. Maddox says there will be a basketball court, a kitchen where they can do nutrition classes and training. She's been a Chicago police officer for 25 years, working the midnight shift so she can spend her days working at this nonprofit. The new Future Ties Center will be a block away from Parkway Gardens. You go, girl. That is outstanding. And she still works as a... She's got a regular job. Oh, yeah. A police officer. Works yeah. as a police officer. Then does this on This top is of how it. you change lives. No no argument. Yep. No argument. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, Judy, for restoring faith in humanity. Can we get her on, by the way? Yeah. I want to talk to her about the project she's doing. Sounds like a great project. Chicago cop. Let's yes, learn yes. more about it. You know it. what? That would be great. So, she, you know, she, I was reading a longer article, and she said she would just notice the kids in the neighborhood with nothing to do. Hanging around. I, that's the type of person we need to yep, we need to talk absolutely. to. I'm, I'm I am interested to say the least. Thank you for spending time with us today. Also, big shout out and uh, thanks to MG and the posse over there in Mission Control. They hit all the buttons and make things happen. Our infant producer Miranda on the other side of the double pane bulletproof glass. We've also got <laughs> DJ Cheese working the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. And Nick Gale will continue to deliver for you the uh, the news, the traffic, right, and the weather. Mm-hmm. Something you need to keep an eye on today. It's all coming up next right here on 890 WLS.